Hi, I'm TJ. And I'm Joseph. And this is Hi-Fi. Good evening, TJ. How do you know it's evening? What if it's morning? What if it's uh, afternoon? What if somebody's listening to this as they're driving in the car and it's like, you know, midnight? Well, it's I not really evening anymore. It's morning. Anyone, yeah, but I assume anyone who is listening to the podcast is listening to it in dark mode. I'm, Our favorite mode. Okay. Yeah. You just your favorite turn mode. The, the, the screen down on your phones and listen to this podcast on your, on your iPod in dark mode. Well, I've got I've got news for you, Joe. I I hate dark mode so much that I have this app called Boring Old Menu Bar to fix the one flaw, <laughs> the one flaw in Big Sur, which is that well, there's a few flaws in Big Sur, but that's the biggest flaw is that the menu bar almost always is dark because if it senses <laughs> that my wallpaper has anything dark on it at all, then the menu bar is dark. But the rest of my Big Sur is light, and I don't want it. I don't want it dark. I'm a happy guy. I like for it to be light. That's curious. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, you have your spacings from Star Trek and those star fields. Of course, the menu bar is going mm-hmm. to be dark. I currently have a wallpaper, which I love. It is the silhouette of the um, refit Constitution class Enterprise, um, which is, if you don't, if you're not a nerd and you don't know, uh, that is the the Enterprise from the first six movies. And it is on a, it's a fairly light, but a little bit dark blue hue and star field. And it's, it's a great wallpaper. So when they say refit, does that mean that is the movie version? It's souped up? It looks better under lights? Yes. Yeah, so okay. the original series Enterprise, um, it, it was It kind of looked like a toy. It did, really did. And when they put it on the big screen, they basically redesigned. It looks like the Enterprise, but you can tell that it, like, the, the, um, the nacelle struts are swept back and the, the thing has a lot more fine detail. And it's just, it's the same overall impression and shape, but it is, they, they explained it in the universe as a complete refit. Um, and, uh, yeah, Scotty spent two years souping hmm. that baby up, and that's the movie Enterprise. It did look pretty good. Uh, that looked like the first starship that I would like to ride aboard in the Starship universe. In my opinion, this is so nerdy. In my opinion, the refit Constitution class Starship Enterprise is the my favorite Enterprise. It's not the sleekest. Uh, the the sleekest and probably my second favorite is the Enterprise E from First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis. Uh, oh, so that's I think it's different a from ship. the Next Generation show version. That right, that's the Next Generation Enterprise, but it's the second Next Generation Enterprise, the one from the movies. So, uh, how much of a difference are they really noticeable, or do you have to like? Oh look yeah, at the by fine the time you get on them. Well, you're really, you're really making me dive deep here, Joe. This well, no, is, uh, no, no. This mean, is my high the, fidelity, yeah, high quality. You're talking to the designer <laughs> geek here, so I, I want to know, like, do, does it come in space gray? I am going to um, send you a picture that I'm taking right now. Um, hold on a second. Okay. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Okay, I've taken the picture. I've taken the picture. Uh, put in the sound effects for me, Joe. And I'm, right. I am, I'm going to make sure this gets in the show notes. And I am, I messaging it to you right now. Um, these are the models that I have sitting next to me. Um, the one on the the furthest away from the camera is the Enterprise A, which is the uh, refit Constitution class starship. And then the one nearer to the camera is the Enterprise E, which is the one from the Next Generation. This is some eighty eighty five years uh, after. After the Enterprise A went out of service. 
Oh, okay. So it's much lighter in the movie version than the silvery tones of the next generation well, show. That I mean, that could just be that's just the model. Um, mm-hmm. oh, sure, okay. it, it you know, and that's just the lighting in my office and things like that. Um, but but the 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 you know, they're very different ships, mm. and because it's been uh, the Enterprise E, as you might imagine, is let's see, A, B, C, D, E. That's four versions, four Enterprises removed uh, f- further in the future from the Enterprise A. Which is identical to the original Enterprise from the movies. It, it's a long story, but if you don't know the movies, yeah. So uh, the one on the, fur- the the furthest one away, uh, that model is my favorite uh, Enterprise. And it's then, a good looking prize. Yeah. Yes, the one closer uh, is also a, I like it. That's why I have the model. It's um, my second favorite, and I like it for very different reasons. It's a very different ship. It's much sleeker and flatter. Um, yeah. I'm a nerd. <laughs> you could have fooled me because of the maybe the picture. It almost looks like the the saucer is more of an oval shape than a but it's like it's not the oval shape turned um wide. It's like the oval shape turned long from nose to the back of the ship. I don't know. That's correct. So the yes, that's correct. The next generation Enterprise from the show that was Enterprise D, uh, it was almost exactly the opposite. I'm sending you another picture so you can yeah, see. Yeah, okay. Just, I, just I, how I thought flat. I wasn't crazy about that. Yeah. So I'm sending you another picture so you can see just how flat the Enterprise E is compared to the Enterprise A. Um, I'm, I'm talking flat in terms of up and down. Right. That it's, is it's, it's very... profile is, is very low. Mm-hmm. That is very cool. Well, you learn something every day. Yeah. But I think that the the beauty of the Enterprise A is it's just it's incomparable. It is just a very it was my first love of a starship. What can I say? Um, I really fell in love with the movie version of the Enterprise from the first six, the original series movies, and uh, it's a great ship. It's a great looking ship. Um, it it communicates that it is not out. It's not out there spoiling for a fight, but it will tear you up if it needs to. You know, it's it's got a little umph behind it, but it's also just a beautiful ship. Hmm. Very nice. I admire <laughs> your collection. It, Do you- uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Well, I was I was going to say, among other topics of this uh, podcast, um, we we really could talk about this uh, uh, at length. But do you want to get on with the next subject? Well, I was going to ask if you thought that uh, either of these enterprises was powered by Apple's M1 chip. Oh, obviously, maybe a, a few dozen of them. I I think maybe <laughs> Scotty has been running the M100 by now. You know. Yeah, it could be. So powered by Apple for sure. But the the thing that I uh, put in the show notes here is that um, Intel is out there downplaying Apple's M1 chip with, uh, quote, carefully crafted benchmarks. Um, <laughs> this is um, – it, it feels both disingenuous for Intel to be doing this and also a little bit um, desperate that apparently – I mean, and we, we knew we knew that despite the fact that – the iPhone and uh, that the iPhone market and the phone market in general is just overshadowing the general desktop and laptop PC market like just like crazy. But we also knew that Apple was the only one with really good growth in the in the PC market, despite the fact that Apple has been neglecting their laptop line. Um, Apple has been growing more than the other PC makers in the PC space. And I think that Intel has has got their pants scared off of them with Apple's move to M1. Um so the, because that was a major source of Intel chips, like every every computer of Apple's that went out until the M1 uh, since 2000, 
2005, I think it was – well, 2005 is when the transition started, but those have been a major source of uh, Intel chips being sold. And so Intel is out here going, oh, see, our chips are just fine if you compare them this way. And with this specific software, you know, it it, uh, it gets really good battery life and if you, it gets really good performance, but you can't have – you know, can't have both because you got these – in order to get the good battery life, you have a much more low-powered chip, which doesn't perform as well as the benchmarks that they're benchmarking it against, which gets very poor battery life. So it's very disingenuous, and Apple's M1 chip provides both. And, you know, of course, Apple Intel has one or two apps that perform better on Intel. Well, we expect that because they're different chips. They're going to have different performance characteristics. But the overall impression of Apple's uh, M1 is that it is both fast and battery efficient. And uh, what is it Jason Snell said? Um, uh, I'm looking for the exact quote here. It, it was to the effect that um, it, it's a very desperate look. For, for Apple, for, for Intel to be out here doing this. And it's, I don't think it's going to help them. Oh, I, I found it here. Do you want me to read it? There it is. There it is. The not-so-faint whiff of desperation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, what stuns me about this is that it comes out before Apple announces any new versions that are more powerful. There are, there are higher-end MacBook Pros or their Mac Pro with the M1X or an M2 chip and that integrates uh, video graphics as well. Because when that happens, okay, maybe Intel can make a case about some processes today, but when that happens, Apple's going to leapfrog virtually all of the the Intel-based Macs today. Like I'm looking at my 27-inch iMac right now, and I, I love this machine but it's going to be leapfrogged it's it there's no way that apple's next generation is not going to be leaving intel in the dust so i, I kind of think it is funny like they came out with this information when they had the last shred of a good argument before apple just you know leaves them completely behind they, where they could leave virtually no argument but something like well don't you remember us? We were the guys that were with you for the last several decades. We love you more than Apple did. They didn't give you chips until this year. You know, they just start sounding desperate. As as the top comment here uh, on the on the article that I will link to in the show notes at macrumors.com, as they note, it says after forty years of developing x eighty six processors, Intel manages to eke out or to edge out Apple's first generation laptop processor on some cherry picked benchmarks. They even had to use different processors to compare battery life. Congratulations, Intel! <laughs> Brilliant. Because yeah. they're so right, they're first generation chips versus Intel's latest chips. That they, you know, this is the culmination of the best that they could do. Yeah, I, I think I think Intel's going to have to pack it up pretty soon. Um, I just don't think they're able to innovate anymore. And I think I mm. think if Intel had been doing better work, even if they had only been doing half of as well as the M1 chip is doing now. I think that we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think Apple would have been content, but but Intel was so bad. That you know, and and we've known it for years. And in fact, people in the PC industry are are, and even people building Hackintoshes. I I even though at the, even when I built my Hackintosh, I knew that AMD was a better chip. I just wasn't willing to do the extra elbow grease to make macOS run on on the hmm. Threadripper or something like that from AMD. But um, but even then, uh, it was very clear that AMD was doing better work in the processor space than Intel was. And Intel was on top for years, but. Man, AMD's doing pretty good work with the Threadrippers. I don't think it's quite as good as Apple's ARM chips, but um, I think that's, you know, I, I, I think Intel is going to go away. You know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you ever been to Cracker Barrel? 
And uh, yeah, you sit down in the the dining room, and they have all those uh, nostalgic vintage advertisements in frames up on the walls around you for things at the turn of the century. You know, things like cigarettes and men's leather products and, Mm -hmm. you know, special detergents and who knows what. But those were companies, those soda pop companies were huge between 1900 and 1925. And nobody's ever heard of them today. (laughs) They were huge for their time. And I kind of feel like Intel is risking being lost to the sands of tech history because... Of of this kind of predicament, because you know maybe by the year twenty forty five or fifty, uh, uh, there's a new generation of people that just never used it. Intel. I, I I disagree. I don't think they're risking it. I think the time is gone. I think they mm-hmm. risked it and it's gone. <laughs> I yeah. don't think there's any coming back. No, yeah, you're right. Not so much of a risk, more and, of and, a and it's it's un- unfortunate. It's the wrong word because it is what it is. But I mean. They had said they were in such a good position. I think that they got in too good of a position. They had such a dominance on the market. They didn't feel the need to innovate. And the people there now, instead of innovating and instead of saying, you know what, they're right, they're defending themselves, but they're not fixing the problem. And, and you know, it's a hard position to be in if, if you're at Intel, in leadership at Intel, because how do you fix it at this point? I don't know. I just don't think they're capable of doing it. So we're also, this year, hopefully, going to get a new Google Drive desktop app uh, to replace Backup and Sync and Drive File Stream clients later this year. Um, I always thought that splitting the apps in two was ridiculous. I never understood it, um, and I just don't, still don't understand what the whole deal is there. I use uh, Google Drive File Stream. I think that's the one I use. It, it creates a um, – uh, let me see – a about yeah google i was going to ask stream. you if you could explain the differences the nuances to me well so what i use is google drive file stream and that's because it basically does what uh icloud does what previously used to be dot mac and all that stuff it creates a um a, a partition or a um a, a mounted drive in your finder that is all the your it's, it's a lot like dropbox but it creates this mounted drive the difference is dropbox syncs a folder but it's the same concept and so i can click on google drive here on my finder and go into drive and there's all my files and i can choose much like dropbox what syncs uh from the cloud and what is visible but just in the cloud um but not downloaded and i can just i can choose all that stuff uh right here in the finder and that's great because i am a google suite uh, g suite or whatever they call it these days they keep changing the name but I'm a G Suite subscriber, and uh, so I have my buzzing pixel, uh, you know, email and stuff all routed through there. And I use Google Drive instead of Dropbox because I'm already paying for it. Oh. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I use it for. And I, I'm not thrilled with the app. It's it's a little clunky, but I never have to see the app because it's just working in the background mostly. But if I, if I do have to see the app, I go up here in the menu bar, I click my bartender icon, and I open it, and it's just a little bit gross looking. It's not. I don't know. It, it just doesn't feel quite right. Yeah, what I've noticed, uh, I switched over to iCloud about a year and a half ago when Dropbox was getting yucky, and I use them sparingly. I still have to use Dropbox. It's what we have for work. Everybody's using Dropbox, but nobody really wants to. Like we, We're paying for the premium professional stuff, and everybody's avoiding it. So then we're even reaching the point where we're sharing large video files as attachments in Gmail emails to me. And it's really nice because 
If you're using Gmail from a web browser and you create a new email message and you have a video MP4 file, even gigabytes in size, you can just drag and drop it into the email and it'll automatically throw it onto Google Drive for you. And we have we're paying for the service, but again, uh, for everyday office, you know, professionals, whether they are um, customer service or they're writers for the website, from day to day tasks, they don't often use file management to become like real pros, power users with Google Drive or Dropbox or iCloud, and. I just don't know any power users that can explain these things to a professional level where everybody else can get on the bandwagon and really enjoy them for what their potential is. I I remember years ago when they introduced Dropbox that it was so intuitive, uh you know, liberating, it was unique, it was just so cool. And it doesn't seem like any of the cloud services have that mystique anymore yeah i would say google drive actually comes the closest um okay. google drive is is two th- obviously they have the online web interface which i use constantly and that's because of google docs like you and i are working on google doc right now um but with google drive uh, or with google drive file stream which is basically google drive on the desktop it just does just what dropbox used to do which is sync all my files from the cloud and make them available on my computer and i have them on multiple computers it's really great um, and on top of that, I actually can see in Google Drive file stream in the, in the finder, like if I go to our podcast, uh, I'm going to go to podcasting, hi-fi, and I can see our episode documents right here. And if I double click it, it opens it right up in the browser. So I could even think of it as files that way. Um, and so that's what's really great about Google Drive. It, it's not quite as good as an intuitive as um, Dropbox used to be. Where Dropbox, it used to literally be like the the only, not just the value proposition, but the only proposition of Dropbox was yeah. install this app and it'll sync your folders with our with your Dropbox account, and then you can install that app on another phone or I'm sorry, phone. Well, you can do it on the phone, but another computer, and it will sync your files and folders down from the cloud to that computer as well, and then they stay in sync. And it used to work really well. Um, and I don't know if that does still work really well, but over the years, Dropbox keeps adding more and more and more. And now I go to um, I go to the Dropbox homepage, and I don't recognize anything of their value propositions. They're going everything you need for work all in one place. Finally, now all your tools, content, and collaborators are accessible from the same place. Dropbox Business is more than secure storage; it's a smart, seamless way to optimize your existing workflow. What I'm hearing is new, enhanced flavor and extra crispier. <laughs> like it's, it's 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 the whole businessy like it's it's yeah. uh, synchronize the synergies. You know, I mean, I don't know what do business people <laughs> yes. say. I uh, are our synergies aligned? Um, it sounds very new agey to me. I, I um, boy, T- there's nothing TJ? about that homepage that I want. <laughs> I just looked this up on YouTube. I wanted to see if I could find a good tutorial to show off the Google Drive suite for me, and maybe I could check it out tomorrow. And there was one for like the the beginner's guide to Google Drive by Simpletivity. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would not. I would not pay attention to any of that garbage. But all you need to do is, um, in order to you just install Google Drive File Stream, sign in, uncheck any options you don't recognize, and then just tell it, 
I just want to access my files or whatever. It's been a while since I set it up, but but it's just been running now, and I just don't pay any attention to it. And all my files are in the Google Drive. Like I just go to Google Drive in my Finder, and all my files are right there, and it just works. I've never really had any problems with it. Hmm. Uh, and in fact, just like uh, Dropbox used to do, just like uh, iCloud will do, I can see a cloud status symbol next to my files in the Finder, and most of them I actually don't even ha- bother telling. It says uh, online only if I hover over it. There is a couple of folders I'm like, I really want these to just be downloaded all the time, and so it says available offline, and it's got a little green check mark instead of the cloud icon next to it. So it's really well integrated into Finder, at least in Big Sur. I can't remember if it was in Catalina. I think it was. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, the like I said, the app is a little janky, but I rarely have to look at the app. So, so I'm, I'm even trying to follow along, and I, I go to Google Drive, um, slash download um, it's got a few other characters in that url link but it um access your synced content for individuals download well i'm not just an individual i want to download it for work and we do share files we do have google drive service so i look down and then there's also google drive for teams and rather than mm. giving me a download button it just says learn more and I, I, I Google searched download Google Drive. So it's no, you want hiding. Google Drive file stream. Now, I am seeing some language that makes me think it may only be for GC, G Suite subscribers. Um, mm. Maybe uh, Google, there is Google Drive for desktop, but I think that's a nope, nope. This is the right one. Okay, so um, let me send you. You got a link? Yeah, let me send you that, and then I'll also send you a screenshot of what I'm seeing so that you can download the right thing. Yeah, I don't disagree that some of this is a little icky, like the setup and getting the app set up and stuff. But once it's running, I just don't have any problems with it. Huh. All right. Well, thank you. I'll report back next time. Yeah. Now, it may, may, it, if you're not subscribed to Google Suite like I am, maybe it won't work. I don't uh, know. I'm pretty I sure we know. are. We just okay. don't really dive deeply into it. Like I said, we're, we're sharing uh, video files via Gmail emails, and they'd stop anyway, us really quick. Anyway, it sounds like they might be solving this problem where there's right. multiple apps because you yes. have the backup and sync app, and then you have the Drive file stream app and all this stuff. And the rumor here is that the Google Drive desktop app will replace backup and sync and Drive file stream clients later this year. We don't know what that means exactly. Google, um, one thing they're really good at is iterative you know, releases. So you remember... I, I don't know if you remember back in the day when Gmail first came out, I, I was I was pretty happy and I jumped on board the bandwagon pretty early with my initial Gmail address, which I still have, still forwards to my buzzing pixel email. But but um it, I was I was super excited about it. But it looked nothing. Like the whole interface and everything, the concept is still the same, but the interface looked nothing like today's Gmail. And I can't, I can't, there's no one time that I can point and say, oh yeah, Google had this big sweeping overhaul. No, they iterated. You know, after, after a year, the interface would be tweaked here, and then it'd be tweaked here, and then it'd be tweaked here, and then it'd be tweaked here. And eventually, they just improved the experience such that Gmail is a premier email experience. Like, it really is. Yeah. Say what you will about Google the company and their privacy and all this stuff. Like, the Google email experience is second to none. And I, I don't – these days I use Spark for integration reasons. I really like being able to send stuff right to my to-do app and all this stuff. But I, I slightly prefer the look and feel of Gmail in the browser, honestly. Interesting. Um, yeah, just slightly. Not enough to make me not use Spark. And there are other things about Spark that I enjoy. Right. Um, and, and I much prefer Spark on mobile, I think, um, for, for various reasons. But the the Gmail experience in the browser on the desktop is really good. Do you have any reason so, to use Google Drive on mobile? 
Uh, I do have it installed in case I need to access files, which comes up once in a while. I more use it on my iPad than my iPhone, I would say. Um, but even then, rarely, because um, it's mostly files. And when I'm on my phone or my iPad, I, I'm usually in a different context. Yeah, I'm only. I was actually using it briefly this evening to review our outline off of my phone. And, and see for that for good. for for Google Docs, I mm-hmm. actually don't even like the apps. I prefer to just yeah. do it right in Safari in the browser. Totally, it works in a pinch. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, we'll see. Hopefully, that will solve this whole issue where Google has multiple Drive apps for various reasons. I don't know. Um, before we get to our main topic, I just want yeah. to touch on this really briefly because this, you know, we talked about this in our predictions, uh, in our, our desires and our hopes and dreams uh, mm-hmm. a few episodes back. And um, the rumor mill is continuing to heat up that the iMac is going to get a whole new look for Apple They're Silicon. wasting no time. Yes. Well, <laughs> the rumors aren't anyway. The, the rumor is that the iMac will look pretty much like a big iPad. And I, I think that's going to be good. I certainly like the look of this mock-up. That uh, we, It's, a, of course, a mock-up. It's not an official picture. Somebody has taken the concept and, and mocked it up. But I certainly like the look of it. It looks really nice. In terms of the screen hardware, yes. I'm not a huge fan of the idea of them keeping virtually the same stand. Uh, oh, okay. Is that called a I, T I, stand or an L stand? What is that? I don't know. I wasn't looking at the stand, though. I really don't care. I, stand can be what it, what it is. Um, and if, if I were to get an iMac, I would mount it on a Visa mount. I don't. I still don't think the iMac is the direction I would want to go. Um, In pictures, it kind of looks like a flat foot of a Dr. Seuss character. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you prefer with a foot? I mean, like, I don't see – I mean, it, it's a pretty good stand that does its job. I don't know what else you would yeah, do with it. Uh, I mean, they could make it kind of uh, imitate in some respect the, the regular stand of the hoity-toity Apple uh, display. You mean I, the Pro Display XDR? Yeah, it could. You know, it it doesn't have to. You know, give me all this foible action and rotary. You know, balancing mechanisms to that that display supports because I understand that it is worth thousands and thousands of precious dollars. But but it seems like the aluminum block at the bottom for the foot of it could basically match the same See, thing. This may be controversial to you. I'm looking at the Pro Display XDR stand on Apple's website. I far prefer the look of the stand that is in this mock-up on the iPad. I, oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I, I'm just saying that it looks pretty much the same as we've had for an awfully long time. It, 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 I don't know. If, if we're going to redesign the iMac, I want it to be a little bit more different, but uh, it's, it's okay. I'm pretty excited about this flat iPad-like design. I think that could really work. Is it deep and, enough for you to plug in anything in the back of the display? <laughs> it looks pretty thin. Well, I don't know. I, well, again, this is just a mock-up. It could be thicker yeah. than this, I don't, and yeah. I wouldn't mind that. I think that would be fine. I just like the overall look and design, the reduced bezels. And here's the thing. like Apple has certainly shown that you can fit a computer in that frame, and oh, yeah. and iMacs, iMacs uh, components are already laptop components, essentially. They're, I mean, they're bigger, beefier. They have a little more room to cool, but they're essentially laptop components. And and so you can you translate that, that to the M1, which has a lot of power and a mighty little chip that runs really cool, and you can certainly fit that computer in there. Right. So, and, and, we've, and we've proved, like, we basically have a really good laptop in the iPad. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think this could be the look, and, and it certainly fits with the design language that Apple's going for. 
Yeah, I think it's in the right direction. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, the new MacBook Pro is expected, according to this rumor, to copy the familiar iPhone design. And we have a mock-up here in this Mac Rumors post as well. My one concern about this, I, I like the overall aesthetic and look that it's communicating. Again, this just being a mock-up. But my one concern is that um, it's really easy to pick up a laptop right now because you can kind of get your fingers right under the, the curving edge of the laptop. Maybe this is a non-issue. I don't know. But it does concern me a little bit that the iPad, it's not a big deal because you've got that camera bump, believe it or not. And yeah. so you can just get your finger right under the edge there when it's on a flat surface and get it under there because the camera bump is holding it up a little bit. You won't have that affordance on the MacBook Pro if it is designed like this. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, it made my mind go to the iPad Pro, you know, that magic keyboard. And one of the funny things about it is it is flat on the bottom as well, but it has that seam all the way around yes, the edge. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that's how you get the, hand, the handle of it. So if there was some other th- combination of things on the sides of it that we could grab a hold of, then it would be a non-issue. But it, it, I kind of like the feet on the bottom of the MacBook because it also just gives it enough of a cushion to prevent potential scratches on various surfaces Mm. well and maybe that's the key maybe there will be those rubber feet still on the bottom that'll hold it up enough because you're right like i'm actually picking up my ipad pro right now by its keyboard cover and i I, the way i do it i just do it unconsciously so i actually had to do it just now to see how i do it is i will get my fingernails right under that that seam edge that you mentioned and just lift it up enough then i can actually slip my other finger under it and then it'll come right up and i can get my fingers under it without that I I don't I don't know how I would I guess I'd have to like tip it back and then get my fingers under it. I don't yeah, know. Maybe grab it by the screen lid and just lift it up from there. Which I, I also do. Like because all the all the weight is in the iPad anyway. Uh, I will often grab it one handed like I may have something in my other hand and I will just stick my actually uh just kind of stick my fingers under the thing there like two fingers under it, two fingers over it, the uh, the hinge area and then just kind of lift up with my thumb on the iPad. That is definitely a way I pick it up, too. You can't really do that with the MacBook Pro, is the thing. Yeah. But it's also so thin in the lunch tray sort of way that the iPad is that I would be concerned that it, with aluminum materials, it'd be fairly easy to bend this thing. Well, we I mean, the iPads already are fairly mm-hmm. easy to bend. Bendgate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it would be pretty sad to see, like even you've been this thing. Can you imagine how horrible it would be to sit that on a countertop or te- desk and it rocks Oh, as you type? Oh, that'd be the worst. Um, well, f- funny, funny story. My 2015 personal MacBook Pro, um, at the time it was my work computer because I was self-employed and I would, but sometimes I would take it into the kitchen or whatever because normally it was mounted on a, a stand and I didn't wouldn't notice because it was mounted on a stand and plugged into my displays but I pick it up and take it to the kitchen or whatever and I noticed one day as I was typing on it I'm like hmm it's like it a wobbled. wobble here yeah oh, and no. then after a couple of days the wobble got noticeably worse and then after a week it was like wob- really like tippy wobbly like you could it was just very obvious and so I flipped the thing over and there's a bulge coming out of, I mean not it's a it's a it's not like a i don't know how to explain it but you could see that definitely it was bowing up in the center but towards the trackpad area on the bottom 
And uh, so I pulled the I pulled the back cover off. I have a pentalobe screw, screwdriver, like any good nerd does, and uh, I pulled the back cover off, and the battery was really swollen really badly. Uh, there's in these modern, or at least in the 2015 MacBook Pro, there's like four battery components, like it's separated into four units because it's it's kind of working around and making room for all the other components and various things. Anyway. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I uh, called up Apple and they said, oh, yeah, that computer's under a battery recall. Bring it on in and we'll fix it. Huh. And uh, that's what I did. And I haven't had any problems since. But, that, yeah, that wobble was super annoying to type on. I would be trying to type and a thing would be wobbling and it was like, ooh, that's no good. But, see, that's the thing is when you're already plunging so much money for the MacBook Pro name and that new sleek design, you, you don't want to risk things like – tarnishing the the new design with some obvious design flaw like that. Mm, mm-hmm. So I, I could understand if they're taking measures to prevent that sort of thing. Maybe they have some sort of steel skeleton that the aluminum body is wrapping. Uh, something, I don't know. But then you're getting into adding weight, even to a very slender MacBook. I don't know. We'll see what what the what the future holds. I, I suspect we will not find out. Oh, TJ, I got an idea. What if yes. the new MacBook Pro was just the computer, the trackpad and keyboard part, and the screen was sold separately? Never going to happen. And they could call that the magic screen. Mm-mm. Yeah? No? It's okay. not going to happen. Oh. Well, that brings us around, I think, I think this is actually a good segue into our main topic, which is aging products how 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 long do we keep products how do we feel about them as they age and you know that sort of thing and you know are you going to be interested in this new macbook pro or are you going to stick with what you know what you've got uh because your product hasn't aged out yet like i think this is a this is a great topic especially for the kind of overarching theme of our show yeah which is high fidelity lifestyle Um, Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a high-fidelity podcast, but we do care an awful lot about quality. It's totally a high-fidelity podcast. What are you talking about? I I do hope people are still (laughs) listening to this on their classic iPod because that is the pure best way to listen to all podcasts (laughs) in our day and age. That's what high fidelity stands for me. No. Um, so what I'm thinking about here too is that, TJ, it's actually been a rough year or so where a lot of people are having to really weigh a lot of their purchases and ask themselves if they can get by a little longer. Or maybe they were forced to make new purchases in the last year because of working from home and all of these Zoom calls. So they wanted to upgrade lighting at their home desk, get a sit-stand desk, maybe change um, whatever their... It's interesting, too, that a lot of people have been pushed back to desktop computers um, just as a sort of... a. Uh, indirect consequence of trying to work from home, they realized that they would do better if they just had a larger display, like a 27-inch iMac, like in, in my case, than um, to to get a souped-up laptop and feel like they could do work anywhere in their house because they didn't want work necessarily to invade any part of their house. Mm. Meanwhile, you have other schools of thought, other people that wanted to work fluidly anywhere they wanted to in their home for re- uh, relaxing work on the couch or something with a MacBook Pro. Anyway, what what made me think of was, you know, the buying cycle. There's new televisions, watches, phones, computers, iPads now every year. So, how often do we like to upgrade these things? And is there any rhyme and reason for the pa- a pattern 
by which we upgrade all the things? Well, for me, the answer is going to depend on the product. Um, and you know, I, for instance, I think my iPhone is going to be the shortest lived because as much as I try to be content with what I have and hang on to it, Apple has a way of making me want their phone. Uh, this is, this has been true. Even when I was off Apple, I was all, I was looking for the next best, greatest phone. I mean, it's just, it is the most ephemeral tech product that I have on the other end of the spectrum. And I, I took this question of aging products, not just to mean, uh, our technology products, but all manner of products. So yeah, I, I put in here my guitar, my car, my van, my vacuum cleaner, my bike. Um, I, I, um, I thought maybe we would just go through and talk yeah. about, uh, these things and how long we've had them. Um, and, and maybe the previous versions and how long they were in service and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, nice. do you, do you want to start? Yeah. So taking it from the top with our computers and smartphones, things like that. Let me say that, uh, I, like you, have struggled with the iPhone cycle. I really think that these are premium products. So it's really compelling to convince myself every year, I could hold on to this one for two or three years. I'm going to hold on to the iPhone XS until they come out with a 12. And that just doesn't happen because... Mm -hmm. To me, my phone is more so the camera than it is a phone or a messaging machine or, uh, you know, access to social media. So I'm always interested in upgrading the camera. And to me, it's like, well, do I hold on to this version of the phone for X number of years and then invest in some sort of state-of-the-art Sony or Canon camera for more premium video and photo. And I'm beginning to think that that might be in my future in the next five years. But up to this point, the the improvements year over year for a smart camera on the fo- on the phone were so good that really i i hardly ever held onto the phone for a a, a year and a half like i'm always upgrading the phone oh, because wow. of the camera and I, I i think i'm shying away from that i i really hope that there isn't some new captivating technology about the cameras (laughs) on the iPhone 13. For example, one thing that could really suck me in is if somehow the iPhone 13 uh, was able to support something like bokeh on video files, on video Mm. recordings. If somehow they pulled that that off... That wouldn't appeal to me at all. mm, That would be really fun to use. Let me rephrase. It would appeal to me. I don't care because that's not the sort of business I'm in anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I care. Now, now, I understand in your case, for example, if um, the iPhone somehow was able to do web development for you and you could replace your Hackintosh with it, then that might be a different story. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Your turn. Tell, okay, tell so us about something else. My, I, I'll follow in your footsteps and talk about my iPhone. Um, I when, So my first cell phone was the same cell phone I had. Um, I got one with Verizon in 2001, 2000, 2001. And I had it until 2005 when I got married. And um, and then uh, because it was on my dad's plan and everything, I basically, I went into Verizon and I wanted to add my wife and we were going to stick with a family plan together and save money. I couldn't make changes to the plan and without verifying with my dad. I'm just like, this is dumb. I'm just going to get my own plan. And so I took my phone back to dad and said, here you go. Cancel the line or give it to somebody else. I don't care. And um, I got the exact same phone. (laughs) 
<laughs> because it was just a phone, right? It's just a phone. And I had that phone for years um, until, well, I say years. It was only two years, I guess, until 2007 when the iPhone came out. And then I was a religious every two years upgrader. So I had the iPhone, the iPhone 3GS, the iPhone 4S, the 5S, and the 6S every two years. And on, on launch day too. And for the, for the iPhone, the iPhone 3GS, the 4S, and the, and the 5S, I stood in a line. And I got there, I would get there at 4.35 in the morning, and I would stand in that line. I'd usually be 30 to 50 back uh, by, that, by, thir- by 4.35 in the morning. And uh, I would always get the phone on launch day. I'd never had a day during those times when I didn't get on launch day. Then the 6S comes around, and I said, you know, this phone is so good. And it was. When it launched, it was a good phone, I thought. There was some problems to be revealed later, and it turned out not to be my favorite. But in terms of the first day experience, I thought it was such a good phone. I I don't plan on upgrading this. And I stuck with that phone for three years. And um, then, you. yeah, then I got my Google Pixel uh, 2XL. That This is my wilderness years. Um, I meant to keep it for a while, but the camera shutter stopped working. And you would try to launch the camera app, and it would just crash. And so I got a third-party app thinking, I don't know, try something else. And the third-party app basically reported that the shutter was not responding. So on that note, would you be more compelled to exchange the phone you have if it, if you were really happy with it to get the same thing because you knew you could save a few hundred dollars? Or no. would you just go ahead and take you know and go so out and get the I'm, best thing? If I'm going to go ahead and up, if I, like if I'm going to upgrade, I'm fine to stick with what I have usually. But if I'm going to upgrade, I'm going to get the newest and best thing. Like that's I. Well, I always. If, what I'm asking is like under that constraint where you have a a flaw, a rise in a phone that you could have kept using for a while yet, you, you would just go ahead and upgrade. You wouldn't consider yeah, well, getting something if, like an exchange. Yeah, in this case, I'm well out of warranty, and um, the because hmm. the warranty was only a year, and. I need to have a camera on the phone. I don't care that it's the best camera. Obviously, I got the 12 mini, and it's not the best camera that the iPhone 12 offers. But I need to have a camera. Um, yeah. it's, it, it has become a thing that I rely on. And so I upgraded to the OnePlus 7T. I wasn't quite out of my wilderness wondering um, yet, and I wasn't ready to get an Apple phone. And uh, Dark in fact, times. Yes. Well, I wouldn't call it that. I enjoyed the OnePlus 7T, and I probably – I don't know if I would still have it or not if I hadn't broken it. Um, but I was definitely thinking my next phone would I would go back to iPhone by the end of that tenure, and I did. Of course, once it broke, I got an iPhone. Um, so now my current plan is to try to make the 12 Mini last at least four years, and I feel like they're expensive enough now. They're more expensive. The most expensive phone I've ever bought is the 12 Mini, and I intend to make this thing last for tw- for four for four years at least. And I wouldn't be surprised to try to get five out of it. Now we'll see if Apple breaks down my resolve amazing but i i feel like because i'm so satisfied with this phone unless it develops some flaw i'm not aware of in the future which is kind of what the success did with the battery it became apparent a year in that the battery was garbage on the success uh and i actually had it replaced once and and apple did it for free because you know it it was having unexpected shutdowns and things and even then, like after another year, the battery was just – I could tell it was just – it wasn't unexpectedly shutting down anymore, but it just wasn't lasting that long. And even then toward the end there when I had to put it back into service until I got my 12 mini, um, it – that battery, even though I had a battery replaced, it was just such poor battery life. I knew I couldn't so, – so the 6S turned out to develop a flaw that I couldn't live with. I don't think the, four, the 12 mini is going to do that, um, but we'll see. 
So uh, my current plan, though, is to go in it with the mindset that I'm going to keep this phone for a good long while because it's a very expensive tech product, and I don't want to be a – what's the word? Uh, what, what, there's a common word that we use, um, a, a throwaway society. I don't want to contribute to a throwaway society. I, I think that this phone has an, enough life in it that I don't need to contribute to it in that heavy of a manner. That's my yeah. iPhone story. Okay. Then my watch story, my uh, I, you know, I find smart watches to be a, a relatively uninteresting product. I'm really just compelled by the Apple Watch. And if it wasn't for the Apple Watch, I think that I would use a dumb watch. Uh, I would actually be a little tempted by maybe a calculator watch because I do like the idea that I have nothing in my pockets, TJ. My phone is not just in my pocket if I happen to go to the kitchen and grab an apple and pour another cup of coffee. So if I had a compelling reason to use a calculator, I'd have it on my wrist. But that's silly. Like, when was the last time I needed to use a calculator? I even have smart speakers surrounding me that I can just say, hey, you know what, machine, um, what is this divided by that? And I get my answer. Um, So I'd have a dumb watch because, come on, your wrist is just a golden place for a very practical device that can give you the time. But the way that the... Apple Watch connects to the ecosystem and does it so well, and it serves so many different features. Just doing a workout today, tracking my fitness, that is the one thing that really hooks me about the Apple Watch is the fitness activity, but also checking the weather. So to me, the more compelling options, like if I had to rank them, would be you know, telling the time because I get it all the time from the wrist. And then second to that would be the fitness tracking. And then thirdly would be checking the weather. Those are the, my three favorite things to do on the watch. And as long as it can do those things, TJ, and it doesn't seem to be very sluggish and the display doesn't take too long to refresh, then I could use an Apple watch for years and years. However, um, the Apple watch is young enough that we haven't quite seen well, I, let me back up. I got the first gen and it was daggum slow and the battery just uh, burned so fast. And it, the it, the screen's wake up time when you would uh, turn your wrist was very slow. So it was really disappointing. And I moved on to the series, I think it was called One, uh, just because it was a little bit better processor. And then... I, I, I limped along with that because it, it really increased the speed, but I got it like a year after I got the first watch. But it was just because it increased the speed by so much, then it was still really slow. So I wanted to get the Series 3, but I couldn't quite uh, rationalize it. So I ended up with the Series 1 for two years, and then I got the Series 4, which I am with right now. So the Series 4 is about two years old. And then uh, I was just thinking to myself last fall, you know, I could probably use this watch for maybe five years. Who knows? Maybe burn the battery down. Then I was helping someone through church do some landscaping at their home. And I was trimming the hedge and I'm standing up on a ladder and I'm doing some work right up against the roof when I turned my wrist upside down. And I scratched my watch screen against the roof shingles. So I got some deep scratches 
across the face of my watch and you don't see them unless there's a reflection across the screen. And I looked into it. I'm thinking, well, okay, what is it going to cost to replace the screen or the glass on my Apple watch? I'm going to have to send it to Apple. They're going to assess it. They'll have to determine if they can just get the glass off, but it's going to at least be like $85. So then I'm thinking, well, you know, there's a lot of deals on the series five, even the series six in aluminum is only a few hundred dollars. And that's uh, you know, two generations better than my series four. It is much fatter, faster. It has a much better battery life. Y- you get the story. So I, I think that the product is young enough that it's really hard to tell just how long they last and what your circumstance may be. But I'm hopeful that I can limp along with my series four with a scratched screen for at least three years, <laughs> maybe make some of my money back on it. I, I don't know. What do you think I should do? Should I sell this thing and just get the Series 5 on a deal or should I hold I on to it? I can't tell you what to do. My general strategy in life when I buy things is to buy not always the best but usually something pretty top end and then to use it until it is dead. That is generally my strategy. The phone breaks that a little bit, although in the early days, I felt like I had to upgrade over two years because it just got slow and sluggish and the chips weren't up to speed yet and up to snuff and the battery was wearing out. But with with watch, um, I, I, let me just go ahead and talk about my watch and my watch yeah, plans. Um, I had the, the Fossil Sport and um, it, I basically do the same things with it that I do with my Apple Watch, which was notifications, weather, and um, – Fitness tracking. Um, and I've added a new dimension to all of that with the Apple Watch because the Fossil Sport wasn't capable of this. But the Apple Watch is where I I can listen to music or my podcasts without my phone. I can just not take my phone on my run with me or something like that. And that is really great. Um, and the Apple Watch has cellular. My Fossil Sport did not. Um, so that, that just adds dimensions to the things that I do with it. Um, as long as, personally, my watch is fulfilling its functions the and the battery is still lasting me all day, which I am in no danger of getting anywhere near. Like, the battery is going to have to get pretty bad before I don't make it through the day, right? Like, because right now, yeah. I did a big old workout with it. I've, you know, I, I've, I've turned my always-on display on. Um, I know we talked earlier in the podcast about how I couldn't do it, but I've gotten over it, and I've, I've got my always-on display on. And that is a lever that I can pull if I start having bad battery life is to turn that back off. Although, frankly, it didn't make that much of a difference to my battery. Um, and so right now I'm sitting at 66% and I've worked it pretty hard today. That's great. Um, and I'll, I'll go up and charge it after the podcast. Um, I put the kids to bed. I, it's my habit is to put it on the charger. I'll stay up a little bit after them and it's all charged and ready for me to sleep in when I, and then when I get up, I put it on the charger while I'm in the shower. Um, so yeah, I, I foresee, uh, my plan is to try to get four years out of my watch as well and then see where, evaluate and see where it's at, just like my phone. Um, as long as it's fulfilling the functions that I got it for, I, I see no reason to upgrade. And I, I know Apple tries to woo us and, I try to stay out of that reality distortion field. That's why, for instance, as we'll talk about in a minute, my computer, uh, my personal laptop is uh, six, almost six years old um, because I'm, I'm trying to get out of this mentality of this throwaway society where we bought this thing, it's consumable, it's done, it's over. I, I want to get more out of my investment. Yeah. I so agree. I, can't, I can't tell you what to do. But. I'm more compelled to replace the screen, but at the same time, I, I feel so silly just getting the same thing back, you know, because it's already two years old. So it, I don't know. I'm going to keep chewing on it. I think you're right. What, 
but I think I think we should um, kind of speed through because we're, I don't want to have too much longer of a podcast. But maybe in in terms of the age of our various products, just kind of speed through the rest of the list, our lists. And um, what, why don't you go um, and then I'll go? Sure. So the iPad to me is mostly for reading and watching YouTube videos, doing my morning devotions, uh, getting started on my task list before I go to the desk. So for me, it's a glorified digital notebook and I just don't need to replace that very often. So easily I could hold on to the iPad for five years or more. And the only reason I wind up giving it away earlier is to hand it down to my children or my wife. So I could easily hold on to the iPad for maybe three years or more before I hand it down. Then I have the microphones and the speaker set up depending on my, usually it's the stuff I do for professional work, but it's also stuff like recording Hi-Fi with DJ and Equinox with Rob. And I care an awful lot about that. And if I can improve the equipment I have, I will. I really love the audio interface. I have the Tascam UX or US 2X2. It's really good. If I wanted to record a Very podcast. Very memorable name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I wanted to record it with two microphones locally for a podcast like, say, I'm considering doing with my wife, then uh, it is suitable. And things like this don't need to uh, be replaced like ever until they bust, which could go for a long time. So I, I can see holding on to speakers and microphones indefinitely. Then the family computer, probably replacing it about every three years or so, and it would just depend on the needs of the children more than my own. So if they get more interested in more intense uh, computer games and maybe something for school, which I, I don't anticipate happening, but it could happen, or maybe they take up some sort of, uh, maybe a uh, I want to say a side hustle, but do teenagers even take up side hustles? I'm going to I'm going to say maybe they get a part time job. I don't know. I mean, I did, but you know. Yeah, hopefully they will be industrious, and do, and hopefully they will be doing it on a Mac. Um, so they get a computer for the family that we would all share maybe every three years, but that never needs to be like a state of the art machine. So maybe get a refurbed one or even something lesser, um, a previously used in pretty good condition, and that has been very suitable for the family. Uh, TJ, I'm very proud of the fact that I am still holding on to my television for 11 years. I just got one TV. It is a plasma four color Panasonic. So it's got red, green, blue, and yellow, and it's not perfect, but it has really good built-in speakers. Uh, I have a fairly small house and a a fairly small room for where the television goes. So I, I don't really have a lot of room to blast myself with surround sound system. But if I, if I had more room, I totally would do that. I think I would upgrade my sound equipment before I would upgrade my television. And I, I don't know what to say. It, it looks very cinematic. I love the plasma television and it's really hard to justify. I, I was even looking at some of the high-end stuff recently at the Walmart and the Best Buy. And uh, I just, I, you know, they're gorgeous, but for the price, I think that my television is still very competitive. So then I have the Nintendo system. I think that as long as Nintendo continues on their track record to give us uh, great games, compelling systems on a regular basis, well, I mean, the you know, they have definitely failed us at times with things like the Wii U. But you got to remember that the Switch is actually riding on the coattails of the Wii U to an extent by taking some of the most popular Wii U games that were 
largely never played because the market didn't sell a lot of Wii U's and then re-releasing them on the Switch. Yeah, and I, I think the Wii U is an undersung product. I thought it was a great I agree. product. We, we I loved agree. ours. So typically, I get on the Nintendo bandwagon about a year after the new system comes along. And I so that what does that mean? Maybe we're replacing our Nintendo system about every five years. Uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be a huge reason to replace a Nintendo anytime soon. And I have never broken a Nintendo system. Even going back to our original NES, we held on to that thing for an awful long time until we sold it. And it was in pretty good condition. Did, and it was still playing games? Yes. Yeah. The problem with our Nintendo when I was a kid was eventually it just stopped playing games. It yeah. Just, and it, it's not like we mistreated. It just sat right there. You know, and you did the thing where it, I, I'm pretty sure it's Cargo Cult solutions because i don't think it actually worked but you'd you'd take the car car uh the cartridge out and you'd blow in it and you put it back in and all this stuff you know and then eventually it got really bad and you would try to clean it and you get these special cleaners that were nintendo approved and all this stuff and it just eventually it just quit playing the games the cartridges you put it in it would just flash the, the, the i think it was the red and the white screen would, would flash and yeah yeah well, I, I get it because those were finicky devices. I, I would actually mm-hmm. say that there were some reliability issues, but we could basically still play games, any of the games that we had when we eventually sold it in a yard sale, mm. which I was very grateful for. Helped us get the Super Nintendo. And then uh, last but not least, I'll mention my automobile is the Hyundai Elantra. We got a 2014 model and drove it away from the dealership. And I wish we hadn't done that. I didn't need a new Hyundai Elantra when I bought it, but my wife needed to get the car and I didn't have time to be involved in the shopping. So she picked it up for me at the time. And it was um, a very good car. It has worked really well for me and I'll probably will run it into the ground. But I do miss having sweet, sweet features like CarPlay in the more modern cars. Yeah. Well, your car is newer than mine. Uh, any of mine that I've, I've never had a car that new. Um, yeah. So the thing with, with the, uh, cars is, uh, if you're buying them new off the dealership lot, you are getting fleeced. Yeah. Um, I know. but, but, but know. if you, if you go into that, <laughs> if you go into that knowing that and you plan to drive it until it dies, like there is no, but like, you know, that you were the only person who's ever taken the care of the car and assuming you know that you were the one that takes care of it and you keep the oil changed, like, and you treat it generally okay that car will last you forever i mean that's that's a fine way to do it just as long as you know you are getting fleeced (laughs) i know (laughs) yeah and and i feel the same way about my other uh gadgetry like uh whether they're vacuum cleaners or lawnmowers weed eaters uh you know take care of them oil them you know uh bandage the kinks in their cords yes but uh you know run them into the ground because there's not an awful lot happening from one generation of weed eaters to the next and for sure. The same thing would go for our coffee makers and, you know, everything else. Absolutely. I would say the same is true even for cars. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're not, Sure, you've got a few bells and whistles that are different, but unless you're getting an, uh, a Tesla, the cars are pretty much the same, maybe even a little less reliable because of the electronics. And I know you get better gas mileage and all this stuff, but, like, I don't think the trade-offs are worth it. That's why I've been hesitant to – well, we'll get to this in a second. I, um. Yeah, that I did recently. My wife picked up a um, so so years ago, uh, not years and years ago, but a few years ago, I picked up. Uh, it, it would get a little bit cold where I worked, and so I picked up a little um, space heater to heat up under my desk, and then started working from home and brought it home, and it would sit there under my desk. Then my wife picked up a space heater recently, and boy, it has gone. So my the space heater I picked up in 2013 um, has physical buttons. 
and you know you just twist the you know click 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 and it goes where you want it and it's fine this one is completely digital electronic i mean it has buttons but they're little clicky buttons they're they're like digital buttons i don't know how else to describe them they're they're not physically turn click buttons and and the display is digital and like i just don't need all that and i just feel like it's probably not going to last as long Whereas this heater that I got in 2013, it just keeps right on ticking, and you know, you just put the switch in the position you want, and away it goes. So, nice. yeah, I don't know. So, uh, let me, uh, are you done with your tech stuff or your, yeah, your, you your go stuff? Ahead. Uh, I, you know, I have Eros and I have space heaters too, but I want to hear about yours. Okay, so uh, my iPad is only 10 months, but I plan to use this thing until it does not perform the functions that I need it to perform. Until prob- That's probably when Apple quits updating iOS on it, and then maybe I'll get another couple years out of it. Um, and then eventually it'll stop running the things I want it to run. But right now, it, it's working great. I use it similarly to yours. I read stuff on it. I will manage my email first thing in the morning, get my task list set up. Um, I will watch shows on it at the end of the day. I will do research and look stuff up on it. It's mostly, for me, a consumption device. I rarely, quote, create things on it. Um, and unless it's maybe the show notes for an episode here and there, and I'm out in the kitchen, kitchen or something. Um, my Rode Podcaster microphone that I've been using to podcast uh, for low these many years. Uh, I bought it in June of 2014, so it's going to be seven years old this year. Um, I don't see any reason to replace it as long as it's performing the function that I got it for, and so that continues to be the case. Uh, it's a very rugged, like I've taken it everywhere. It's a very rugged little uh, microphone. The monitoring headphones that I'm wearing right now, I actually bought a year before that in May of 2013, the Shure SRH 840s, which I've talked about before, and they're great little cans. They're just sitting on my head doing their job, so I treat them pretty well. I don't take them in the elements, and I make sure they're put away when I'm not using them, so yeah, I I will not be replacing them until I need to. So, like I said, it depends on the device, right, of, of what the shelf life is and how long I expect it to last. I have no yeah. expectations. I just expect it to keep going, right? Um, my desktop speaker system is 12 years old, something like that. It It is one of these systems that we didn't even get it for my desk. Um, it, we got it for a home audio stereo speaker system. Um, it has uh, audio in, which is what I'm using for my computer, you know, your little headphone jack audio input. Yeah. Um, it actually has phones for output. It has an iPod docking station and a CD compact disc player. Remember those? Um, <laughs> and then the speakers sit on, on either side. Uh, and it connects with speaker wire, so it's a fairly high-end system, really. it's I think it's a three or $400 system, and I'm using it on my desk now, and that's what I use. Um, my desktop computer, I built it three years ago, a little over three years ago. Um, that's my Hackintosh, and I, I expect to keep using it until Apple stops making Mac OS that runs on Intel Macs. And what did you um, name your Hackintosh? Uh, I should know this because I, I named it first. A Clue. Clue. Yes. Um, Yeah. And my personal MacBook Pro is five years old and some change. Um, Every once in a while, this model, I'm not super happy with how hot it runs. And it gets even worse. And because it runs so hot, the fan runs a lot and it gets dust in it. And I'll have to take my Penelope screwdriver, unscrew the bottom, and then take some compressed air and just blow all the dust bunnies out of it. And then it'll start running better and cooler. Um, the The way I found this out, I'd had it for, I would say, two years. And I it just started... It, it felt like it was just getting really sluggish. And I would open up the activity monitor and I would see that that this, the, 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 there's ways of seeing that the processor is sort of locked into a cycle. Like, and it's throttling itself is what it was doing and so that it wouldn't overheat. Because I could see, I also had, because I, I, I felt like it was running really hot and I bought temperature monitoring software and the, basically the CPU would get up to its limit and then it would throttle. And I'm like, what is going on? And so finally I thought, 
you know, I, I think I ran across a post online, something about, yeah, I had that problem and I blew out the dust and it started performing great. I thought, there's no way. Come on. I've never had to do this before yeah. in any other computer I've had. So, but I did. I took the back off of it. I blew out all the dust huh. and that thing started running like it was new again. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I found out the hard way with this, at least with this model, you got to blow the dust out of there to keep it running a little cooler. So uh, after I figured that out, uh, I, I'm continue to be – it's fine. I don't like the fan blowing all the time, but it just is what it is. Huh. Um, and I don't intend to replace it until I really can't just can't use it anymore. So it'll, it'll essentially be the same thing. When, Ma- when Apple stops making Mac OS for Intel Macs, I will probably then get a couple more years out of it. But basically at some point, it will start getting to where the software I need to run doesn't run on it, and then right. I'll have to replace it. Speaking of which, I was thinking about this while we were running through our lists. I'm much more likely to replace my software versus my physical hardware. Oh, sure. Well, software devices. Software is not a physical device that you. Yeah, it's very different. It's a very different thing. Much more frequently. Much more likely to. Yeah, yeah. So then I bought my Eero, my three three Eero system on in June of 2016. Um, I don't know what's going on lately. It. my satellite uh, Eros, I, I, like for years, I thought they were great and wonderful. And then lately, one or both of my satellites will go red and they'll stop. The, like if you're connected to them, you can't get any internet. And you unplug it, to count to 10, plug it back in, and it'll be fine. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if I need to try to like do a software restore or something. It's a little bit annoying. I was also thinking of maybe getting uh, like – something that goes between it and the wall plug that uh, I can set a timer on and at like three o'clock in the morning, just have it cut off for 10 seconds and then cut back on just to like manually physically reboot it. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm, but my, my, I'm not planning on replacing them unless it just gets unworkable. Like that's just my mindset is, Hey, they're, they're good devices. And I bought them as an investment to, you know, make my life better. And I'm going to continue to go with them until they stop working. Yep. Uh, I bought my standing desk November of 2017, and I have no plans to replace it ever. I It's still in really good shape, and I just plan to have it for years. I, I plan to be an old man and not be working <laughs> anymore and not need to replace it because I won't be working anymore. There you go. Uh, I bought a – in 2017, I bought a Vic, Vic Singh shower speaker. It's a Bluetooth speaker that's waterproof. It makes it gets it louder than the phone will get. Uh, I have no plans of replacing it until it stops working. Well, you seeing a pattern is. here? You yeah. seeing a pattern? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't plan on replacing stuff until it stops working. My TV is at least fifteen years old. Um, it is one of the first uh, like LCD flat LCD or LED. I'm not sure. Flat panels. It's a flat panel. It works fine. Uh, I'm sure the colors could be better, but you know what? It works fine. I've got it in in cinema. It has like four modes, right? It has like vivid and and bright and <laughs> yeah. dim. And I have it. In, I have it in cinema mode, of course, as one should. But what um, if cinema mode breaks? Are you going to use Vivid? No, <gasps> I'll get. I will get a new TV. Okay. Um, but but it's funny, Joe. I actually don't watch stuff on that TV much anymore. It's basically relegated for me to family use. Like if we're going to watch a movie as a family, otherwise I'll just use my iPad. Oh, what about watching something with your wife? Uh, that's also usually my iPad here in my office, um, oh, on okay. a on a TV tray that I have in my office. Um, and she'll sit and because we, I don't know, it's just easy. Anyway, um, nice. we have an Apple TV connected to that TV. It is about five years old. I have no plans to replace it as long as Apple keeps supporting it and letting me play stuff on it. Um, it works fine. I have to reboot it once in a while. It'll get a little wonky. I But that's software. That's not hardware. Yeah. We got our Nintendo Switch. Much like you, we we get the new Nintendo devices. We got our Switch in 2017. I'm sure uh, you know a few months after the, whatever the next thing is has been out, we'll get that. I'm probably. 
I don't know. I have no plans there. My guitar. I've had my guitar for 20 years. I don't, I, I, I play it less and less. I just, I wanted to be a musician. I'm just, I, I have many other things. Like I couldn't make money being a musician. I wasn't that good. And so it just has had to take a back seat. And, and the type of music I'm interested in now is much more congregational, church-oriented, piano, and maybe organ. And I'm just – I don't know how to do that stuff. So <laughs> I'm relegated more to a facilitating role now. So, yeah. Um, my cars. So I have a 2003 Mazda Protégé. I bought it in 2008. It had 45,000 miles on it. Uh, we paid 8,000 uh, – 7,800 for it, I think. And, um, it now has 245,000 miles and it's, you know, the body's falling apart. Um, it's starting to get a little bit of cancer as I call it. It's a little rusty <laughs> here and there The the paint's chipping off of it and I'm just going to keep driving it. It's fine. The drivetrain is in good shape. I changed the oil religiously at 5,000 miles. I've always run synthetic oil in it. I run decent quality filters and always check the oil every weekend, every Saturday. It has never used a drop. It did have, um, a few years ago, it was leaking oil around the valve cover. Um, and so I had that fixed, uh, when I, I would check it one Saturday and it was just a little bit low. It was about a half quart low. I'm like, oh, and then I saw the oil around the valve covers and I drove it like that for a little while, but eventually I got the, the valve covers replaced or the, yeah, the, the seals and the valve covers replaced. And, uh, my, my brother-in-law did that for me. I used to be, I would do that myself. I used to do mechanicing, but I'm just too old for that. Uh, so my brother-in-law did that for me and it doesn't use a drop of oil. The oil is nice and clean. Uh, and it's because we got the car pretty early. It wasn't new, but at 45,000 miles, it was still a fairly, just barely broken in car at, you know, and, uh, 245,000 miles. I can't complain. It has never had a major incident of any kind. Um, yeah. And, uh, so that's my car. The van is a 2005 and I got it. I bought it for $1,200 in 2014 because they were having problems keeping it running. Um, it would they would start it, but then it would die. And I was fairly certain it was an electrical issue, and I was right. And it was a good gamble. I had twelve hundred dollars, wow. and we've we bought it with one hundred and fifty thousand miles on it. It now has two hundred and fifty thousand miles on it, and it's sweet. It's fine. Now, as vans go, um, it is a transverse mounted V six, and it is um, as I discovered. I wanted to replace the spark plugs and wires, which you have to do once in a while on a on a gasoline powered vehicle, and. Um, the front were easy <laughs> and the rear on the, the V, you know, so the rear spark plugs and wires were um, very difficult. What I wound up, what I wound up doing was um, you have to basically unscrew the motor mounts and you have a jack under the oil pan and you then drop it down and then you just keep a little bit of pressure until, it, until the jack starts slackening and then you pump it up just a little bit um, so that um, – uh, you, you're not putting any pressure on things that shouldn't have it on. And then you then you have just enough room to reach your hands back there and work all by feel. You can't see anything. And uh, pull your wires uh, and remember which order they go in. And <laughs> uns, uh, you know, unscrew the plugs. You barely have enough room to get a ratchet wrench back there and a, and a, and a, uh, a spark plug uh, socket. And you, you, you know, get the plugs out. You put the new ones in. And it's, it's, it's a, about a three-hour ordeal, which – Plugs and wires in in my uh, my L four my four cylinder car is fifteen minutes tops. Yeah, <laughs> so it's very very different. <laughs> so this car is very this van is very difficult to work on, but it, it seats all six of us. Uh, there are six of us, you know, four kids and me and my wife. Um, 
and it's fine. <laughs> and I'm never going to put plugs and wires on it again. <laughs> um, it is it is leaking oil around the valve covers, and as you might guess, because it's a V6, uh, replacing the valve covers in that back, I'm just not interested in doing that. So um, anyway, yeah. it is a 2005, and I plan to drive it until it stops going. <laughs> Um, my, oh, I should have mentioned my Mazda protege is a five speed. And so I expect, I don't expect to ever have any transmission problems from it. I've never replaced the clutch. I don't know if you're familiar with five speeds and clutches or manual transmissions and clutches. I had my own. Um, but I trained myself very early on because I know how clutches work to keep my foot off the clutch. And I've drilled that into my wife. When my son starts driving, I will drill that into him. You use the clutch to start and stop and to shift, and you keep – the goal is to keep the clutch engaged and your foot off of it at all times. (laughs) Yeah. And so far, so far, knock on wood, 250,000 miles, no new clutch. I think that's a record. Nice. I'm sure that's coming. I'm sure that's coming before the 300,000-mile mark, but it's fine right now. The Caravan, of course, is an automatic transmission, and it has – I know that the people who had it before me had it replaced once. I'm expecting that to come up again. Um and I will decide if that that's worth it at that time for a 2005 model car. <laughs> um, real quickly, I have a brother laser printer that is a 2016 model. I have no intention of replacing it. I just put new drums in it. Um, I put toner in it when it needs it. And the the um, what uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The networking on it went kaput. <laughs> Oh. It used to be it used to connect to the network and it would just work. So, but it also has USB port on it. So when it just stopped producing presenting itself on the network, and I tried all kinds of things, I spent a day with it and it just and I couldn't get it to work. So I connected it to an old Mac that's on the network and shared that printer and it's doing just fine. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a uh, we we had a vacuum cleaner for about eight years uh and then it bit the dust and we got another one in 2015 and we'll use that until it bites the dust it's it's has some problems at this point but it's fine it was a 70 dollars vacuum speaking of which <laughs> when it comes to those kinds of products I, I liked to rely on websites like the wire cutter to find a good recommendation but they're putting more and more of their recommendations behind paywall so yeah i, I hmm. when it comes to products like the vacuum like basically i just looked up one that had decent reviews on amazon and ordered it right. one that wasn't too too expensive but one that i thought we would get five to six seven maybe eight years out of yeah and and we've we've gotten five years out of it now and it's it's having some problems but it's also still working and so we'll keep using it and when it dies i will order a new one um and then um I have a bike that I bought in 2015. I got back into biking, and that's been good for my health. I can't ride it in the winter, but I will take it up again here in a few months, uh, maybe two or three months. Um, yeah, and I don't have any plans of replacing it. There are some things I would like about some newer bikes, but you know what? This bike is working. I recently just put um, – I changed the shifter levers because I wasn't happy with the 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 the, um, the crank grip shifts, the grip shifts. And so I put a lever shift on it. Uh, that was pretty easy to do. It cost me a total of, I think, 40 bucks. Um, so, and that's a, you know, it's like a $500 bike. So yeah. I meant to um, ask you, do you ever ride your bike with your wife or kids? I tried to ride with my wife. She has a bike. She's just not into biking like I am. And, um, Mm. I'll be sitting here going, man, I'm, I'm barely putting any, any work. And she's like way behind me. So it doesn't really work. It's not (laughs) a thing that we do together we have plenty of things we do together. And so I just don't need to do that with her, I guess. And then, um, I had a... Oh, you know what? I, I got a new mower and weed eater in 2019. I don't ever plan to replace them. That's, oh, really? you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're electric, they're battery powered. And um, yeah, we'll see. I don't expect, I mean, you know, we'll see. That's okay. it. Okay. 
I have a lot of stuff. But but the theme for me is use it until it doesn't work anymore. And the exceptions are usually the iPhone and maybe a computer. Yeah, it has to be pretty compelling. And I think that the reason that we wind up replacing things like watches and phones and tablets and computers is because we do wear them out. They do fall behind. Mm-hmm. The the speed of the processors, uh, ed- shoot, editing video graphics. And it, it feels like as time goes on, uh, I arrive with this 2020 uh, iMac and I think, wow, this is the first computer that I think I could probably rely on for a good, I don't know, eight years and be really happy with it. But then they come out with the M1 chip. And I think, oh man, they're going to just devastate this kind of computer in no time at all when it comes to video processing. So uh, I don't know. The day may come during our lifetimes, TJ, when we'll say we'll just run our Mac computer into the ground, but I don't think it's going to be in this decade. Yeah, maybe. I'm planning on running my various computers into the ground, and we'll see. Uh, we'll check in in a few years and see how that goes. I'm sure this podcast will be going well into its, you know, thousands and tens yeah. of thousands of episodes. Yeah. So, you know, um, we'll, we'll I, check I in. Wanna see, I want to see you retire before we <laughs> quit the podcast. So the, I guess the basic theme with me is more and more, I, I definitely want to live a high fidelity, high quality lifestyle. Me but too. I think But I think part of that is being frugal. And I, I also, I have become more and more, I want to get away from the throwaway society, this planned obsolescence. And, and granted, with technology, stuff will become obsolete. But I think that you can buy in such a way that it's not as bad as they want it to be when they make the products. And I'm not even saying Apple does that, but other other technology companies certainly, you know, they throw stuff together and then it's obsolete. They stop updating it immediately. <clears throat> Android phones. Um, and that, I just I, – I don't want to participate in such – a throwaway society to that degree. Everything decays. Everything falls apart. And I want to do my part to keep it up. And it's not even – I mean I suppose it helps the environment. But for me, it's not even an environmental thing so much as it's a frugality thing. And to to use my money wisely and to be a good steward of the resources that I have and, and to try to facilitate putting my money into other wealth building and wealth generating things so that I can live a better, higher quality life for me and for my children and to to pass that along to them, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I feel the same. Any, I, anything I can do for the environment as well along the way is not a bad thing either. Of course. So I do want to hold on to these things. I, I appreciate, for example, I'm still using a gas lawnmower. I'll have to talk to you about your battery electric one. Well, what I will say oh, – so, so the other theme with me is I mm-hmm. tend – the cars are the exception. I, I tend to buy expensive and then electric. just use it. I think that the, the cars, well, because it's so expensive, it's a bridge too far. But also, I, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. I would rather buy used. Like even now, if I save up enough money to buy a car, it's going to be at least a couple years old. Maybe I'll, you know, so usually my cars are at least five years old. Maybe I'll try to get a two-year-old car instead of a, but driving it off the lot, like immediately loses value. I just can't quite stomach it. No, so. I, I agree. I'm breaking so find my own something that here. <laughs> find something that somebody hasn't abused and then keep it up and, and and that's the biggest advice too for cars is I have been around so many people I remember one guy in particular when I was young he was always having car trouble I was like yeah this car is just useless it's no good it didn't say 
he'd never changed the oil. He'd never like clear maintenance signals, clear things that were like, oh, you better do this. You're going to have this problem. Like he wouldn't and then he would blame the car. And it's like, no, you like you literally ran it into the ground, but in a bad way. You didn't maintenance it when it needed it. You didn't take care of it. And you're wondering why, like, and he would constantly, because he would like, I'm going to put $5, in the, he would only put $5 at a time in the tank, and then he'd run out of gas. Well, guess what? Newer cars, if you do that too often, you'll burn out your fuel pump. The older fuel pumps were different, like they were these mechanical things. The newer fuel pumps are electronic, and they're actually cooled by the fuel running through them. And so when they're trying to run with no fuel, they burn themselves out. And so, like, things like that, like, it's it's far more expensive to be cheap, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so do the proper maintenance on your cars like most manuals uh, most car manuals say 7500 miles change your oil my my car manual says that but as it aged i decided i was going to move to a 5000 mile interval and that has served me very well my ca- my my uh, caravan it wasn't i i don't know what happened to it for the first 150000 miles it has some signs that it wasn't properly maintained and i do 5000 miles instead of 7500 and i use uh i I've, i switched to high mileage oil for various reasons my car i don't see a need to do that cuz i know what kind of carrots received and it is running perfect and i've always run synthetic in it so you know nice things like that yeah good advice so i think that's the show i hope you all have found that interesting and um maybe encouraging and and helpful uh in 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 hearing us talk about how we're trying to be frugal even while we try to live our high fidelity lives but if you want to chime in we would love to hear from you joe where can people chime in at for you i am uh, at jcs darnell on twitter I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. If you want to talk to me about any of this stuff or talk to me and Joe, uh, tag us both in there. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know how you are maximizing the lifespans of your various products in your life and how you mm-hmm. are achieving high fidelity life while still uh, doing that. Or or maybe you have different opinions. We'd love to hear from you. You can find show notes for this episode at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 21. Uh, that's it for this show. We will talk to you next week. Well, Joe, no WandaVision this week because you were a bad boy and you did not watch the latest episode. And I actually had somebody reach out to me and uh, tell me that they were downloading all of our episodes about WandaVision and skipping to the WandaVision part to listen. And we can't deliver <laughs> oh, this no. week because, because, you, because you, Joe, failed to do your homework. I am so sorry. And I don't know how to did we, console Did we promise people. what we were going to do post-show? No, mm-hmm. we did not. No, we didn't. We didn't. So we'll have to do two episodes next week. So you'll have to find out next week about how Thanos appeared and and snapped everybody out of existence again. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. In my defense, uh, I I am a family man and my kids want to watch it with me and we haven't had a chance to watch it together. Your family is your podcast people. Come on. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> be with your family. Come on, who who needs to do that anyway? Who cares? Uh, That's mean, not a, that has nothing show. to do with a, do that exist? has nothing to do with a high fidelity lifestyle. No, replace them, <laughs> run them into the ground, get new ones. Oh goodness, no, let's not go there. <laughs> That's a bridge too far. Show, come on. What are you talking about, man? <sighs> but, um, we'll have a, we, we'll have a double feature next week. We'll talk about one division episode. What is it? Five, five and, and episode six. Four, uh, six. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. All right. Well, it'll be extra uh, good. If if you don't, uh, I might have to get a sword and come after you. Uh, I'm definitely afraid for my life. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, um, it, you know, you might need a shield to combat that sword. Mm. 
Uh, is that a hint? Is that a clue? Wait a minute. No spoilers. What are you saying? <laughs> Don't do it's, that. It, I'm just I'm just coming up with um, you know, some uh <sighs> I'm marveling at, at at the references. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. I got that reference. It it's all about the comic timing. Hmm. <laughs> I'm wondering if any of this is reference or none of it's reference. <laughs> because that could have been. Well, you know, I might go from hero to zero. You never know. <laughs> okay, help me. Just stop. <laughs> <sighs> what you gonna? Are you gonna use your uh, your Wanda Wanda powers and make me your Scarlet Witch powers? Uh, if I had them, I'd use them. Yeah, you know, like right now. I would. Mm. I'd be happy to go with some even you know vision powers, alive yeah. or dead. I'd use yeah. whatever I've got. Well, you're not really in my field of vision right now, so. <laughs> like a bug just flew in my mouth. Goodness, what the heck! Well, you All deserved right. that. <laughs> that was really weird. I honestly have no idea what I just swallowed. <clears throat> I was trying to get it out, but it wouldn't come out. It's it's down. It's down the hatch now. Just wash it down with some of the <laughs> remainder of your bourbon. <laughs> yep, it's it's down. Whatever it was, it's gone. <laughs>